Good evening, and welcome once again to another episode of the Friday Night Parkdale Special. I'm your host, Joyrider, coming to you live from the Dollhouse in downtown Toronto with my feline co-hosts, Chatty G, Silent J, and Floofmaster Toby. And this is episode 108. On Wednesday night, at the same time the Met Gala was happening, word began to spread that a Supreme Court draft decision overturning Roe v. Wade had been leaked. This draft related to a case out of Mississippi called Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health, and the decision isn't expected to officially be released conclusively until June of this year. The horror and fear among those who are pro-choice was palpable online, and there was also additional fear that this might be the beginning of a chain of dominoes restricting a number of freedoms such as gay and trans rights. This fear is based in the constitutional root of the Roe v. Wade decision itself, which was argued using a 1930s decision at the state level in Connecticut regarding abortion which pointed to the 14th Amendment and its provisions of personhood and the right to privacy. American constitutional law can be profoundly baffling without a greater understanding of American history. During the time that the U.S. formed, there was a deep paranoia of anything that resembled the kind of monarchical garbage that they had just escaped from. This led to states' rights, which allowed for states to secede should any laws be passed at the national level with which they didn't agree. Frequently, states' rights has been used for ill, as with the upholding of slavery and anti-abortion laws prior to the Civil War. These anti-feminist and white supremacist agendas are tied together in a way that isn't surprising when you consider the greater context. The American Medical Association formed in 1847, and they noticed a drop in birth rates among white Protestant women, given that the issue of slavery had been a matter of debate since the 1700s and was heating up during these 10 years prior to the Civil War. There was a fear of the quote-unquote browning of the nation. The only way to ensure that whites didn't become a minority was to make sure that white women carried those babies to term. Prior to that, English common law had said that it was fine before the quickening, the time when fetal movement could be felt between four and six months. During those years, birth care was in the hands of midwives who relied on herbal abortifacients to relieve a woman of unwanted pregnancy. And as women began to demand admission to medical schools, the rich white doctors of the AMA pushed states to ban abortion across the country. And by the time of the Comstock decision in 1873, even abortifacients were banned. Coming from a pretty different political system and looking from the outside in, I've long found it hard to understand why anyone would defend states' rights as a concept unless they were looking to use it for their own gains. In my research for this episode, I came to understand another side of it. Among some constitutional scholars, there's a sense that states' rights allows the states to act as proving grounds for change that could then be applied more broadly. And that certainly seems to be a fair assessment, given how that Connecticut case formed the basis of a Texas case, which then went before the Supreme Court and changed the law nationwide. 
The Fourteenth Amendment was written by John Bingham, who saw an invisible ellipsis in the Constitution, which he used as the basis to insert text which was grounded in abolitionism, stating that all persons in the U.S. were equal under the Constitution. No longer were blacks five-eighths of a person. They were granted full personhood under that amendment. You can see how this basis of personhood could not just apply to black men, but to women of any color. However, the trick is always in the wording, Congress shall make no law. That leaves the door open for states to impose their own separate judgments on such matters, and whether it's in the positive direction of a proving ground or the negative of a suppression of rights is entirely up to the swing of those individual states. This is especially bad in poorer red states, particularly the ones that are all clustered together in the South, meaning that pregnant people can't just go to the next state over for care. They might end up in a position, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, where they'd have to travel hundreds upon hundreds of miles. Essentially, if you restrict the law enough, it becomes toothless and leaves people with no reasonable accessible options. Why is an American constitutional matter important outside of America? Well, just because it seems nonsensical to outsiders that people would be arguing over a document written by rich white men over 230 years ago, and just because we're in Canada doesn't mean that we're safe or immune to the politics of our neighbors to the south. We've seen in recent years the importation of U.S. movements onto Canadian soil. Whether it began organically here or was astroturfed from the South is a question I'm not in a position to answer, but it has happened. And that aligns with what I've seen over the course of my lifetime. For better or worse, we're America's little brother, and we typically end up following in their footsteps. And so, while I don't typically talk this much at the beginning of the show, in this case, I'm going to go on a bit, because I really believe that this is very important. A bit of Canadian context before we go more deeply into the current affairs down south. Abortion was illegal in Canada until a 1968-69 decision allowed for therapeutic abortions in instances where the life of the mother was endangered by the pregnancy. This continued to be so until Dr. Henry Morgenthaler took it before the Supreme Court of Canada in 1988 and successfully proved that the 1969 law ran counter to Section 7 of our 1982 Charter. This did not, of course, end the harassment that he and his clinic staff and clinic endured, but it at least made it so that those in need could more readily access such services. Morgenthaler was a complicated man, as we all are, and I highly recommend reading more about him. He was a compassionate and passionate man. Back to the States. Let's talk for a second about Roe v. Wade. The woman who became known for many years as Jane Roe began life as Norma Nelson in 1947 in Louisiana. Her childhood was made up of abandonment and violence, and she left home at a startlingly young age to make a better life for herself. She married at 16, and during her first pregnancy, 
she found out that her new husband was abusive. She left, gave birth, and was, according to her, coerced into giving up custody of her daughter to her mother. Sometime after that, she became pregnant again and gave up her second daughter for adoption. In 1968, she became pregnant a third time, and although she had heard about a thing called abortion, her doctor told her it was illegal. Through a chain of events, Norma was connected to two young women, lawyers who were looking to challenge the laws around abortion that were currently on the books. She agreed to be their Jane Roe, and the case was successfully concluded in Dallas. However, the conclusion came too late for Norma, who ended up giving birth during the course of the trial and giving her third daughter up for adoption as well. Norma McCorvey was a complicated woman, which is understandable given her rough start in life. The pro-choice movement wanted a face that was unimpeachable, and she was not that. She had dealt drugs, she had done robberies, and she wasn't well-educated. So the movement leaders picked women like Sybil Shepherd and Gloria Steinem to speak as its face. Norma took this personally, and I can't say I blame her. Although she worked for a number of years at an abortion clinic when a pro-life anti-choice group called Operation Rescue set up shop next door to the clinic where she worked, they essentially began courting her, trying to convert her, not just to Christianity, but to the pro-life cause. Sadly, they were successful. At the end of her life, Norma admitted that she never really believed in the pro-life, anti-choice side. They had offered her respect, inclusion, love, and money, all of which she needed. She even gave up her lesbian partner of more than three decades to satisfy them, which is truly heartbreaking. Her partner Connie said that she had loved Norma from the moment they met, and she was heartbroken when Norma essentially renounced her. Now, it's important to note that when Roe v. Wade came before the courts at the end of the 60s, it wasn't considered that big a deal. The arguments between the sides were surprisingly polite and reasoned, and it was easy to see that the ban against abortion ran counter to the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness cornerstone of the U.S. Constitution. It wasn't until the late 70s that an opposition force really took shape and rose up against the pro-choice side. This opposition force was rooted in a desire for power and money and cloaked itself in evangelical Christianity. It was realized that religious folks were a major untapped voting block, and if they were united, they would be a force to be dealt with. So men with power and money whipped up support in the form of Jerry Falwell and his moral majority in 1979, which, if you recall our Filthy 15 episode, led to a number of organizations such as Focus on the Family and the PMRC, all of which attempted to roll back the gains made in the preceding decades. If they didn't like something, it was the work of Satan and had to be rooted out, exterminated. While Falwell was humiliated in the late 80s through the discovery of a so-called indiscretion that would later be determined to have been a rape, by that point there were enough contemporaries waiting to pick up the baton that his downfall barely even mattered. 
Those contemporaries have continued to push the Overton window further right in the past three or four decades. And because the right is so enmeshed with power and money, people who gave zero shits about Christianity were happy to wear the mantle and donate to the cause if it meant that they could gain or retain power and make even more money. That money would in turn be funneled back into the cause to make yet more money, to elect yet more right-leaning people into power. That brings us to Trump, an amoral dirtbag who's rich on paper and happy to profess whatever is asked of him if it means he gets to play with all the marbles. He managed to get three more conservative justices onto the Supreme Court during his time in office, and that shift in the balance of power on the Supreme Court to six conservatives to three created a situation where what was once a fairly innocuous decision became as heated as the core of a reactor and just as deadly. So, tonight, with that draft decision hanging like the sword of Damocles over the heads of all of those who are able to get pregnant in the United States, we're going to get started in the late 70s, around the time that the moral majority first began forming from Peggy Seeger's 1979 album entitled Different Therefore Equal. This track is called The Nine Month Blues. If you can't be careful, try to be good. Well, we cared and we cared as much as we could. We always agreed, me and my man, we said someday we'll try the family plan. The first thing we tried was nothing at all. It was an amateur ride and everything's here fall. We charted my tides, followed my moon, but then someday came a little too soon. I got the nine months of blues. Too much to gain or too much to lose. But he was kind of happy when he heard my news. I got the nine months of blues. Uh, there was him and me and the baby made three But we made up our minds to stay that way With little bit of things made of rubber and such And cause we were friends we decided to go Dutch When we said I do it was a solemn oath So we did and we did and it pleased us both We still can't figure out what went wrong But that's the first line of the nine months song I got the nine months blue Too much to gain too much to lose. I get out the dress and the sensible shoes. I got the nine month of blues. I said, This time around, I'm gonna cast my stone. I'm gonna have a chance to call my life my own. About the SPC, the FPA, they said, to Keep that child, don't fling it away. The doctor said he had the right to refuse. The law says if you want to beat the noose, you gotta be rich or near to your grave. So away I went again on my nine month rave. I got the nine month blues. Too much to gain, too much to lose. And that time around, I gotta make twos. I got the nine month blues.
Pride was the capital P, and I-L-L is what that made me. My head bust open and I nearly went crazy, and my moon started rising every 14 days. It says I may be sick, but I'm safe and free. We started making honey like a couple of bees. But one May morning, I must have forgot. Dropped me right back to the nine-month slot. I got the nine-month blues. Too much to gain, too much to lose. I want my old man be happy when he hears my news. I got the nine-month blues. I got kids everywhere, two, three, four, five. I just can't swim without taking the dive. I went for advice. They says it to me. They said the next thing to try is the IUD. But the small print allows that the loopity loop has a margin of error. Then you're in the soup. But your kid'll be normal, so don't you fret. Even though you leased it for the nine month let, I got the nine month blues. Too much to gain, too much to lose. I better get my old man to disconnect his fuse. I got the nine month blues. I love my man, I love my kids, but if I have any more, I'm gonna blow my lid. It's not just the 40 weeks on my mind, it's also the washing hanging on my line. It could be the worry on the old man's face, or thinking of the future of the female race. It all began with a love and a laughter, then with so much care. For such a long time after every nine months, Too much to lose now, don't you think we ought to have the right to choose to sing the 20 year blues? If you were wondering, yes, Peggy Seeger is related to Pete Seeger. He's her half brother. Up next, we have one from Judy Small, who is a feminist musician out of Australia and whose voice really reminds me of Judy Collins. From her 1982 album titled A Natural Selection, this is Judy Small's Backyard Abortion Waltz. Lord 
inviting them off in the parks and the gardens through the war was the hardest fight us Sheila's fought and you wept a lot more when the voice from the door of the doctor's room said my dear you've got clap and your tears turned to flood when they told you She joined, she was a sweaty little freckle-faced kid of 14 on the run. She'd belly dance all day on the boards on display cause she thought Sideshow Alley was whole lots of fun. She was 16 when the war came, lighter Our next song up comes to us from the Dead Kennedys, who we definitely talked about during the Filthy 15 episode. Jella Briafro was one of the more outspoken people against the PMRC, along with Dee Snyder and Frank Zappa. This is from their second album, which came out in 1982 and was titled Plastic Surgery Disasters. This is the Dead Kennedy's moral majority. What do they have got a moral majority? Cause the people in the real world, that was that folk and strive, that is dead. Here are not say callous, you come about the news. Anybody press on the school and cool, you don't say to a lot of pockets, that was dead. Here are all tracks, that's that kind of son of a body, that you're most concealed in my head. Too dark, anyone can fight, so I drive a scene, that's not a most sailor witch style. Stand up, close, and you're gonna die. We're not supposed to be visualized. That's the way I'm gonna fight, and I don't got a set. Blow it out your ass, I will blow it out your ass, I'll 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 bl
Our next track is by Kim Wallach, and she is originally a teacher from New Hampshire, but has been performing music for quite a long time. From her 1984 album, Paddle on the Rawway, this is Kim Wallach's Freedom to Choose. In a clinic on Main Street in Washingtonville, lost in thought by a window stood Mary McGill. When her eyes met the eyes of a woman outside, was it rain on her glasses or tears she had cried? Outside on the picket line, Rosemary Flynn felt the rain on her face and the anger within. As she stared at that face inside, gentle and warm, that seemed almost to beckon her in from the storm. And the two women found themselves staring a while, recognition, awareness, but never a smile. And there seemed to be some kind of truce in that stare until Rosemary Flynn recalled why she was there. Then she held up her sign that said, Thou shalt not kill, and she pointed directly at Mary McGill. And Mary McGill, before starting to turn, gave a nod to acknowledge Rosemary's concern. That day, Mary counseled a child named Michelle, who tried hard to seem calm in her personal hell. Mary spoke to Michelle with the tone of a friend, and her gentleness brought Michelle's calm to an end. Michelle told her story with pain hard to hide, of her mother and John and the new life inside. She had meant to show love, she had meant no one harm, but her mother felt anger, and John felt alarm. But the new life inside was a life, it was real, with a brain and a heartbeat she thought she could feel. And she wanted that child, she would love it so well, she would build it a heaven to make up for this hell. But she'd end the new life for her mother and John. I'll do it, Michelle said, for my mother and John. These words had an emptiness Mary saw through. If you do it, said Mary, please do it for you. Michelle looked at Mary through the pain and the tears, and Mary saw all of Michelle's sixteen years, and she thought she saw something of several years more, or perhaps she had seen Michelle's face once before. Michelle only murmured the words, I don't know, and she stood, and she turned, and she started to go. And Mary made one last request of Michelle with her parting words, take time to think this out well. That night Michelle's mother stormed into the place, not hiding her anger, yet hiding her face. My daughter came here with a purpose, she said, not to have you put foolish ideas in her head. She's too young, she's a girl, and the father's a boy, and she thinks that a baby is some kind of toy. Your job was to teach her, to straighten her out, not confuse her, and send her home riddled with doubt. My job, explained Mary, 
was not to confuse, but to make her aware of her freedom to choose. My job is to make sure the options are known. You are right, she is young, but her life is her own. Then Mary saw something in this woman's face and remembered the person, the time, and the place. This woman had labeled abortion a sin. The face in the picket line, Rosemary Flynn. People often accuse and are quick to condemn when the issue is safe or does not affect them. I don't envy the job facing Mary McGill. I don't know all the meanings of thou shalt not kill. It's a conflict more simply prevented than solved. But the choice must belong to the woman involved. And I think that the answers come not from above, but from us and our consciences, tempered with love. It's not often that I will play a purely a cappella piece, but that one's really quite striking. Up next, we have one from another artist that we have listened to before on this show from Bad Religion's 1991 album entitled Against the Grain. This is Bad Religion's track Operation Rescue. It's an SOS, sent out telepathically, signs of our distress. Don't allow complacency, we need restoration now. A fire integrity and a drastic more reminder of our morality. Go rectify it, troopers, we're the ones we've needed all these years to stop the heinous wrongdoings and verify our moral benevolence as a people. Operation, Operation Rescue, they're here to right our fault. They've heard our trouble call. Operation. If you like anthrax, then you probably have a soft spot for nuclear assault. 
one of the members of Nuclear Assault actually founded Anthrax from Nuclear Assault's 1991 album Out of Order. This is the track Hypocrisy. Although I had this album when it came out in 1991, I didn't realize that this particular track was actually about Jerry Falwell. To be fair, that might be because I was pretty young at the time, but it should have been obvious based on the video, which when I rewatched it the other day, <laughs> Phil Collins plays a pretty obvious Jerry Falwell from Genesis and their 1991 album, We Can't Dance, this is Jesus He Knows Me. TV screen. 
This next artist's debut album was huge in my high school when it came out, and one of the tracks that didn't get a ton of airplay but is very much in keeping with our theme tonight is called La Femme Fetal from Diggable Planet's first album, which came out in 1993, titled Reachin', A New Refutation of Time and Space. This is Diggable Planets, La Femme Fetal. Mm-hmm. 
849 on a beautiful ninth day of July. There was not a cloud to speak of, so the orange sun hung lonely in the sky. I lay prone in my cabby home, thinking of fine nappy Jackie and his jazz cat's horn, sliding in a tape of bird on bird when suddenly rang my phone. Hey, butterfly, the voice said, slip on some duds, comb out your fro, and slide on down to my pad. The vibe here is very pleasant, and I truly request your presence. A problem of great magnitude has arose, and as we speak it grows. Damn, what could it be, I thought, a juice I bought, and rolled on down to her spot. Seeing bros I know slapping fives, I arrived and pressed G5. And there was Nikki, looking some kind of sad, with tears falling from her eyes. She sat me down, and dug my frown, and began to run it down. You remember my boyfriend said, that fly kid who I love? Well, our love was often a verb, and spontaneity has brought a third. But due to our youth and economic state, we wish to terminate. About this we don't feel great, but baby, that's how it is. But the feds have dissed me, they ignored and dismissed me. The pro-lifers harassed me outside the clinic and called me a murderer. Now that's hate. So needless to say, we're in a mental state of debate. Hey, beautiful bird, I said, digging her somber mood. The fascists are some heavy dudes. They don't really give a damn about life. They just don't want a woman to control her body or have the right to choose. But baby, that ain't nothing. They just want a male finger on the button. Because if you say war, they will send them to die by the score. Aborting mission should be your volition. But if Suda and Thomas have their way, you'll be standing in line unable to get welfare while they'll be out hunting and fishing. It has always been around. It will always have a niche. But they'll make it a privilege, not a right, accessible only to the rich. Hey, pro-lifers need to dig themselves, because life don't stop after birth. And for a child born to the unprepared, it might even just get worse. The situation would surely change if they were to find themselves in it. Supporters of the H-bomb and firebombing clinics. What type of shit is that? Orwellian, in fact. If Roe v. Wade was overturned, would not the desire remain intact? Leaving young girls to risk their health, doctors to botch and watch as they kill themselves. Now, I hate to sound macabre, but hey, isn't it my job to lay it on the masses and get them off their asses to fight against these fashions? So, whatever you decide, make that move with pride. Sid will be there and so will I. An insect till I die. Rhythms and sounds spinning around. Confrontations across the nation. Your block, my block, dreadlocks. What a shock. Land of the free. But not me. Not me. Not me. Up next, we have a piece from one of David Byrne's solo efforts. The album came out in 1994, and this track in particular is called Lilies of the Valley. Thank you. 
Mama, she had complications. There's nothing very strange about that. None said, we can't kill that baby. We'll have to let your mother die. Oh, and we are all just lilies of the valley. We need a great muscle. We need to get our hands a, a little Too crowded on this boat. You need someone to bail some water. We're gonna keep this thing afloat.
I'm not entirely certain about why this next pro-choice song is entitled Butyric Acid. My best guess is that because butyric acid stinks, apparently, and foul-smelling acids were used in a number of attacks on abortion clinics during the 90s. It's possible that in one of those, or more than one of those instances, butyric acid was what was used to prevent clients from accessing the clinic. From 1994's Business of Punishment, this is Consolidated's Butyric Acid.
you got your own twisted baggage, then maybe you don't want a Nazi in your house. Don't let one. You don't know about the men unless you you let one. If you memorize your symbol, I don't forget one. If you don't want them, I want you don't get one. You don't want a Nazi in your house. Don't let one. You don't know about the men unless you you let one. If you memorize your symbol, I don't forget one. If you don't want them, I want you don't get one. You don't want a Nazi in your house. Don't let one. You don't know about the men unless you you let one. If you memorize your symbol, I don't forget one. If you don't want them, I want you don't get one. You don't want a Nazi in your house. Don't let one. There's nothing more appropriate for a theme like this than a female punk band, and ooh, we got a few, and that makes me very happy. This one comes from the Luna Chicks 1995 album Jerk of All Trades, and it's called Fallopian Rhapsody.
Next track up is from Neil Young's 95 album called Mirrorball, and the song is called Song X.
In the mid-90s and early 90s, sub-pop was the be-all and end-all of the grunge scene and of music in general in some ways. And one of the key artists on that label was Mudhoney. From their 1995 album, My Brother the Cow, this is FDK, or Fearless Dr. Killers. I found an article that talked about how there was this surge of songs by dudes about their experience of abortion during the mid to late 90s. And reading it, I realized, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. I hadn't noticed at the time, but it was absolutely the case. Songs about abortion were cool as long as it was some guy singing about how shitty he felt about the whole thing. I'm not going to play a ton of songs of that whole cluster, but I want to play a representative sample. This is Ben Folds 5 from 1997, and this is the song Brick.
6 a.m. day after Christmas I throw some clothes on in the dark The smell of cold, car seat is freezing The world is sleeping, I am numb Up the stairs to her apartment She is balled up on the couch Mom and Dad went down to Charlotte They're not home to find us out And we drive Now that I've found someone I'm feeling They call her name at 7.30 I pace around the parking lot And I walk down to buy her flowers And sell some gifts that I got Can't you see It's not me Driving back to her apartment For the moment we're alone yeah, She's alone and I'm alone Now I know it She's a brick
This next band is from France, and they got together in 1991 and stuck around until about 2002. This next song is by Portobello Bones and is from their 1998 album Refuse to Keep Silent, and the song is titled Jailed for Having an Abortion. Never go wrong with a little bit of punk when it comes to political issues. Up next, from Anti-Flag's 1999 album, A New Kind of Army, this is No Apology. Because the issue here for you is a lie 
is still not 100% and I keep finding I need to shake it out because I get wicked pins and needles if it's bent for any length of time and of course that's my mouse hand awesome up next we have more punk this time out of Maine this is a global threat from their 1999 album what the fuck will change this is cause for abortion Next, we've got one from a band called Tilt, and it also came out in 1999 from the album Viewers Like You. This is Tilt's Die of Shame.
Up next, something more radio-friendly. From 2004, this is Anna Nalix, Breathe, in brackets, 2 a.m. 2 a.m. and she calls me cause I'm still awake Can you help me unravel my latest mistake? I don't love him, winter just wasn't my season Yeah, we walk through the door so accusing their eyes like they have any right at all to criticize hypocrites. You're all here for the very same reason. Cause you can't jump the track. We're like cars on a cable, and life's like an hourglass glued to the table. No one can find the rewind button, girl.
Next, from 2004's album Pigs for Slaughter, this is Oi Poloi's The Right to Choose.
still in 2004. Up next we have the comedic stylings of Roy Zimmerman from his album Security. This is Kill a Doctor for Christ. Now, you know, the vast majority of Christian people are decent, tolerant, open-minded, well-read people. I'm not talking to you. (laughs) I'm talking to the Christians who spend all day watching children's programming looking for signs of sexual deviancy. (laughs) Just as Christ commanded. (laughs) The right to life begins at conception and ends when you graduate from medical school. So if you terminate a pregnancy, that's murder in the first degree. But if you kill a gynecologist, that's cool. Kill a doctor for Christ. Show the world you're a Christian. Cause it's pro-life or it's no life. That's what we say Shoot a quack in the back Cause you know that Jesus loves a good whack Yeah, for Christ's sake And kill a doctor today Get on your knees in true contrition And pick off a physician And call him an extremist And say he'll never be missed He's probably an L word liberal. So blow him hellward today. Let's pray. Sticking with the comedic for a moment longer, this next one is from 2006, Impeach Me. This is Eskett's Roe v. Wade. Hello, ladies. I May your day be extra nice The party of God wants to remind you That Father knows best and hears his advice Barefoot, second class, uninsured Pregnant, that's the way you ought to be. Barefoot, second class, uninsured, pregnant, gotta vote GOP. You need, of course, some supervision, and I'm sure you will agree. You need, of course, a timely lecture, lest you should be truly free. You need, of course, a law to stop you from the wicked you do so give your body to the politicians 
and they'll decide what's best for you. Barefoot, second class, uninsured, pregnant, that's the way you ought to be. Barefoot, second class, uninsured, pregnant, gotta vote GOP. you of course we know just where you've been what books you've read we'd like to find out even more including what you do in bed we'll tell our god to save your soul we'll tell our god to rescue you we'll plan your compliance we'll plan your science and we will plan your family too. Barefoot, second class, uninsured, pregnant, that's the way you ought to be. Barefoot, second class, uninsured, pregnant, don't forget to vote Republican, vote Republican, vote Republican, G-O-P. Now from Kristen Lem's 2007 album, Equality Road. This is Days of the Theocracy. First they fight abortion, birth control is next. Then comes sex if you're not married, finally out goes sex. Put the prayers back in the schools and stop A woman's world is housework, God wanted it that way. 
seem like jokes to us today. They're sitting in the Capitol. They're voting on our lives. If we don't stop them soon, our freedom will not long survive. No going back, back to the battle days when men were really masters and women were their slaves. Let's go ahead, ahead for future centuries and build a world that's based on true democracy and build a world that's based on true equality. Switching gears, now we move on to PJ Harvey, and this is from her 2007 album, White Chalk. This is PJ Harvey's When Under Ether. This next track is by Kendall Winter, and it is from 2010, the year after Dr. Tiller was executed in Wichita, Kansas. It wasn't the first time that he had faced violence. As a matter of fact, he had been shot in both of his arms in years prior, and his clinic had been firebombed before that. But his execution shone light on the dangers of extremist anti-abortion stances from Kendall Winter, this is Dr. Tiller. They murdered the doctor at church on Sunday morning. A shot sent with a warning that women don't deserve a choice. In Wichita, Kansas, 
Which way are we going here? I'm walking through a mob of pro-lifers just to get a pap smear. It's 2009, it's legal to provide. We've come a long way. Though they're standing outside the clinic with bloody signs. Old men with drawn faces, plastic fetuses. They murdered the doctor. He'd been shot before in 93. His clinic bombed in 85. For decades, he'd been working for the rights of women. The rights of humanity. But he didn't take his bodyguard to church with him on Sunday. What is going on? Why is your bruise? You do not like my right to choose so much you figure it is best to put a Doctor carried him out of church in a body bag with his wife screaming in the back. Ten grandchildren left without a grandfather. Doctor Tiller, your life is worthy of applause. Cross my fingers for the last going down. Cause cross my fingers, you're the last going down. Last going down for the cause. Jumping ahead now to 2018 from their album Try Your Best, this is Mummy Long Legs Abortion.
Ocean. Next up, from their 2019 album, I Don't Know How to Be Happy, this is the Deli Girls track, which is also called Abortion. Right. 
With the filing of the Dobbs case in 2018, there was an uptick in pro-choice protest songs and charity songs. This next one, called Thank God for Abortion, is titled the Thank God for Abortion Anthem. Talk. 
free Legal, safe and free Our second last track of the night is from last year. It's by Evie Joy and it's called The Right, a pro-choice anthem. information for once. Only 24 states require sex ed, so more than half of U.S. teens need a condom. The problem's abortion. Focus on what's going on. It is an abortion. If you want to focus on right and wrong. This is my body. This is my choice. A painful decision. But you aren't going to steal my voice. It isn't just moral. that should be banned. Maybe men should get vasectomies and get them reversed. Once they find a woman who'll take their hands, this ain't about that. This is all about what's legally like, what's an issue of law is. Turning into one of moral strikes. Life is an equivalent based on definition. You must account for experience. And remember that a fetus requires another body to give them their sustenance. The courts can't force us. Donate organs or blood of our own. This is no exception. We can face our repercussions alone. This is my body. This is my choice. A painful decision. But you aren't going to steal my voice. It isn't just morals. And it's not black and white. This is my body. And it's my legal right. Listen. Doctors will be scared of making any incision, which means they won't be acting on their best medical decision. Should they just make an attempt, which is not defined, they face 99 years of prison down the line. And yet, let's say they don't perform because they're scared of spending time. Say the patient gets sick and sues the doctor for the crime. This all affects the healthcare system for you and me. 
facing higher doctor's bills to balance liability. And everybody's terrified and everybody's ill. Meanwhile, thousands could use help just getting themselves on the pill. There are way too many babies and the population's growing. We're running out of water and the rate of death is slowing. Adoptions are hard, the foster system's saturated, but an 11-year-old's birth just because she's impregnated by an uncle or rando who held her down and raped her. She was too afraid to tell and it didn't show till three months later. And now she has the blessing to ruin her life and her physique while to carry on the genes of men who violate the weak. For every woman who's ever had to get on her knees, stand up. For every woman who's ever had to say, please stand up. Stand up. This is my body. This is my choice. A painful decision. The last track of the night came out earlier this year and it's by the Petrol Girls. It's called Baby, I Had an Abortion.
And that's our show for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you share some of your week with me. If you'd like to support the show, go to thefnps.com. All the social media links are at the top right, including my coffee link and the show's Patreon link. Whether short-term or long-term support, your coins help me pay for hosting, streaming, and new tunes to keep the show both on the air and fresh. There's also a suggestion box on the site, so if you have show ideas, drop them in there. I look forward to hearing them. And if you have any recommendations for streaming hosts, I could really use your input because I need a new one. And that's why this episode was late. As always, be well and stay safe. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one.